beliefs and those like it had to not only navigate the rise of the popular cult figure but the popularization of new age beliefs in general the new age placed strong emphasis on the individual's effect on their own spiritual journey they placed the individual as the primary source and sole authority over their own spiritual development and so there was less room amongst these increasingly popular fringe beliefs for the individual voice to take primacy over others. There was less room for a sole authority, and those who claimed to be such were met with deepening hostility. New Age spiritual beliefs permeated all aspects of the lives of their practitioners. The idea of the Unarian meeting place a county hall somewhere with meetings and agendas was rather quaint in an age where esoteric beliefs were expected to be consumed in your home, in your living room, circulated on television, existing as an extension to the free market economy, as suggested by some as a kind of reaction to and model of late modern capitalism. The cultural landscape was changing New religions had to offer more to keep pace amongst the rest. It was no longer enough to be alternative. The alternative was now in direct competition with organised religions. And directly from this anxiety springs Heaven's Gate, offering to those who leave their old lives and possessions behind a chance to leave a doomed planet, the ultimate promise of the UFO religion, to join with the aliens in peace. Heaven's Gate forever changed how people view UFO religions. Founded in 1974 by Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite, rather than a new religious movement, many people now refer to Heaven's Gate as a cult. Known to their followers as T and Doe, respectively, they identified themselves as witnesses of revelation and amassed a following in the hundreds by the mid-70s. The central belief of the group was that followers can transform themselves into immortal extraterrestrial beings by rejecting their human nature and that they would ascend to heaven referred to as the next level or the evolutionary level above human but the death of Nettles to cancer in 1985 challenged the group's views on ascension. Whereas the death of their figurehead for the Unarian believers caused the scales to fall from the eyes of many, for Heaven's Gate, it began the process of turning the group's beliefs against them. To be proven wrong would have them lose all credibility and so any visibility they had. Instead, they doubled down. They originally believed that they would ascend to heaven while alive aboard a UFO, yet later came to believe that the human body was merely a container or a vehicle for the soul, 
and that the consciousness would be transferred to the new next level body. On March 26, 1997, deputies of the San Diego County Sheriff's Department discovered the bodies of the 39 active members of the group, including that of Applewhite, in a house in the San Diego suburbs of Rancho Santa Fe. They had participated in mass suicide, a coordinated series of ritual suicides coinciding with the approach of the comet Haley Bop. Just before their suicide, the group's website was updated with the message Haley Bop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level, we are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. Indeed, Heaven's Gate was only used for the final few years of the group's existence, as it neared the date where the gate itself were to close, i.e. their window of opportunity to vacate their human bodies and ascend to the next level. They had previously been known under the names Human Individual Metamorphosis and Total Overcomers Anonymous, both of which are much better names than Heaven's Gate, in my opinion. Initially, the group had been told that they would be biologically and chemically changed into extraterrestrial beings, and those beings would then be transported aboard a spaceship following in the wake of the Haley Bop comet. But when Bonnie Nettles died in 1985, it confounded the group's doctrine, because Nettles was allegedly chosen by the next level to be a messenger on Earth, yet her body died, and instead of physically leaving to outer space, her corpse existed as physical proof that their beliefs would not come to pass how they believed they would. And as such, their belief system was revised. And now it included the leaving of the consciousness from the body as equivalent to leaving the Earth in a spaceship. The belief system encompassed UFO mythology within itself to strengthen their now weakened position. The group declared that they were against suicide, in their own words to mean to turn against the next level when it is being offered. As the human body was thought of in terms only as a vehicle, suicide in their eyes would therefore be not allowing their consciousness to leave their human bodies and to join the next level. Therefore, remaining alive was known to them as suicide of the consciousness. Cultural theorist Paul Verillo has described the group as a cyber sect. Owing to its heavy reliance on computer-mediated communication as a mode of communication, indeed one of the many ways Heaven's Gate funded their cult and their lifestyle was to do web development work. So, again, they have come from a very specific cultural background could this have happened a decade earlier? Who knows? But as of July 2021, the group's website is still online 24 years later. 
um, and looks exactly how you imagined it. Now, the media response to the deaths showed just how far media representation had turned against not just the leaders of such groups, but also their followers. SNL was making jokes about the mass suicide within the week, and anyone involved with it now was considered insane, mentally unstable, easily led, weak-minded. Whereas ritualistic suicide was seen as a tragedy in any other context, these deaths were viewed as a joke, and arguably still are, by some. A few decades after the first documented UFO sightings and abductions, what once could have been viewed as a charming, almost nostalgic idea of little men visiting and making contact with man was now an instrument with which to ensnare the weak-minded into cultish behaviour, no longer the charming outcasts. Saucer heads were one step away from dangerous delusion. Nonetheless, a 1992 Roper poll alleged that as many as 3.7 million Americans admit to have been abducted in the past. Even sceptics have to admit to this day that there are thousands of otherwise sane and normal individuals who believe themselves to be abductees, although their accounts will only appear now in the least respected publications or through fringe publications, closed forums, largely hidden from public gaze. Yet it's clear now, post Heaven's Gates, with UFO religions thrust into the public eye and condemned, any religion from that point on must be self-referential to be visible, to be aware of the criticism to be levelled against it and fold that within itself for strength. Again, although existing with the purpose of being a parody religion, the Church of the Subgenius is a great example of this. Predating the modern internet, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was dreamt up in some early message boards. But the church actually has its origins in the 70s. A parody religion, due to its reliance on subversion and comedy, this is a group where you can pay $30 to become an ordained subgenius minister with the power to perform short-term marriages. In their own words, we offer you a choice of one official true explanations, all of them conflicting. With the publication of the Book of the Subgenius in 1983, the church positions its supposed founder, J.R. Bob Dobbs, as in contact with an extraterrestrial race called the Exists. The Exists were scheduled to launch a worldwide invasion of Earth on July 5th, 1998, but missed the party. Nonetheless, X-Day celebrations go on. To this day, COVID permitting. Its primary deity is facetiously known as Jehovah One, an extraterrestrial who contacted Dobbs in the 50s, like Adamski, King, and countless others. The church's primary symbol is an icon of Dub's face, clean-shaven, pipe-smoking, with neatly slicked back hair, a simultaneous subversion and critique of the American dream 
on one hand, not the kind of face you'd associate with the alien encounter, but for that reason, the exact kind of guy the narrative serves. In the church's mythology, Jehovah One intended Dobbs to lead a powerful conspiracy and brainwash individuals to make them work for a living. But Dobbs refused. Instead, he infiltrated the group and organized a counter-movement through extensive use of flyers and publications, primarily recontextualizing 50s advertising symbols in a collage of contradictory and inflammatory slogans of salvation. The church's faux commercialism has been described by some as culture jamming and targeting prosperity theology, the idea that anyone can make it big. But just because it's a parody religion does not mean that it can't be argued as effective. It's activism against commercialism, this such same culture jamming, shows a spiritual manifestation of a cultural shift towards irony and shows a way in which the individual can in ways take charge of the images they are bombarded with and recontextualize them to serve their own needs rather than the needs that are pressed upon them. One thing this clearly shows is that by 1979, the strict framework of all the so-called independent UFO religions was over enough to be the subject of parody. Clearly no sincere religion could follow the path trod by those that came before them. They would have to tread a new one. As an outsider looking in, it seems that many modern UFO religions are by intention or by inaction, seemingly self-limiting, not able to get too big, or not wanting to get too big, to have too wide of an influence. Perhaps it's that otherwise it's figureheads risk comparison with Heaven's Gate, Scientology, or famous cult groups, or I should say other famous cult groups, many, with a few exceptions, maintain a purposely antiquated outward appearance. Their websites and their publications seem to be aesthetically stuck in the late 90s, like the dormant but still accessible Heaven's Gate site. At first glance, they look like relics, but they are updated right through this day for their followers with invitations to Zoom sermons and virtual services working around local COVID restrictions. Seen as more fringe groups than actual religions nowadays, they do still continue to exist. Most we've talked about continue to exist in some form. Even in an era where religion in general appears to be losing its vice-like grip on portions of Western society. However, inextricably linked with other fringe, alternative and countercultural groups, UFO religions are always competing with the loudest voices in the discourse. As they've stepped back, others have stepped in to fill the void. 
such as the likes of David Icke and prominent figures of Scientology, whose attention-grabbing take on alternative religions and beliefs tend towards the far right and tend towards anti-Semitism. As the existing narratives aren't powerful enough, i.e. aren't different enough to get them attention within countercultural discourse, it's not enough now to be alternative in order to be heard amongst more and more publicized voices some people have chosen the realm of being inflammatory and unfortunately it works now for that reason i'm not going to dwell too much on some of these figures because i think they get talked about enough and they absolutely love that but i don't think i will be able to complete this rundown without talking about like although not as far as i'm aware associated with any known UFO religions. David Icke can be seen as the final nail in the coffin when it comes with any potential legitimacy linked with UFO religious claims. For example, as a former British sports broadcaster, embarrassment to Britain and professional conspiracy theorist, a basic rundown of some of his known beliefs are as follows. So let me know if any of these sound familiar. Ike believes that the universe is made up of vibrational energy and consists of an infinite number of dimensions that share the same space, just like television and radio frequencies, and that some people can tune their consciousness to other wavelengths, i.e. what we call the world and the universe is only one frequency range in an infinite number sharing the same space. Ike states... So the apex of the Babylonian Brotherhood stand the global elite. And at the top of the global elite are what Ike referred to as the prison wardens. He claims the Brotherhood's goal, or their great work of ages, is a microchipped population, a world government, a global Orwellian fascist state of new world orders, a post-truth era where freedom of speech is ended. He believes that the Brotherhood used human anxiety as energy and that the Orcons keep humanity trapped in a five-sense reality so that they can feed off the negative energy created by fear and hate. Now, so far, this little picnic cheese board of everyone else's beliefs cherry-picked and shoved together into some unifying theory in which he is the only one that knows the truth could be interesting. There are ways you can read this. For example, as we were just mentioning, culture jamming. This idea of just an absolute overload of known process. So many of these ideas he's talking about, like I said, they have cultural meaning already. And there is an argument that just chaining them all together, squishing them all together into a big collage can do something to weaken their power in some ways. As with the Church of the Subgenius and recontextualizing and kind of reclaiming some of these ideas of the 50s man or the 50s woman that have become to have a completely different meaning within advertising. 
So you could argue, I'd say probably wrongly, that this kind of like I said, collage or culture jamming of all of these existing modes of thought that have come to be so numerous as to have less of a power to comfort anymore can be used to kind of strip back some of the discourse around them to take them out of their context so that they can be recontextualized in a way that can help us. However, I am going to shoot that theory right in the face now by talking about some of the incidents and issues that Ike attributes to the global elite, including, but not limited to, the Oklahoma City bombing, Columbine, 9-11, which Ike believes was an inside job, by the way, in order to provide an excuse to advance an agenda and a regime change in the world. Entirely untrue. Um, 7-7, global warming, chemtrails, water fluoridation, death of Princess Diana, the assassination of JFK, and that any of these incidences were put in place to allow the world to respond to them in whatever way they intended to act in the first place i.e. 9-11 was brought about to put in place a system in which the global elite can create a world in which anyone can be indefinitely detained under suspicion of terrorism as an interred individual. They are not bound by the Geneva Convention in the same way prisoners are and so do not have the same kind of human rights that prisoners do. So he argues that all of these incidents were purposefully incited to bring about the profit that is putting in place these systems that they intended to enact in the first place, just giving them a justification. I don't think I can comment too much on that theory, but I'm just going to say as a side note, I had no idea when I was researching for this just how often the name John F. Kennedy would appear in what I was reading. So if Ike's beliefs sound like a mashup of every single hot button issue, every topic that might inspire emotion, that's because it is. But if it just so happens to feed into a myriad of UFO religious beliefs, it does so and so robs them of any remaining credibility. There are still some UFO religions who don't follow the old pattern, mostly for the worse. For example, Happy Science is a controversial new religious and spiritual movement founded in 80s Japan by a Mr. Okawa. Um, unfortunately, it is characterized pretty squarely by most as a cult. The organization primarily distributes communication with a messiah-type space being from Ursa Minor, who also happens to be a commander of the Space Defense Force. Mr. Okawa himself exist as a reincarnated space soul of Buddha and claims to channel the souls of many more influential figures, some of them still living, like Barack Obama, which is pretty cool, and some of them dead, like Jesus, um, Elvis, JFK. In his books, he talks of the possibility of all that we fear and offers a kind of know-your-enemy approach. So through a slick website, they offer a way to navigate a world of increasing conflict and fear. It can be frightening to envision a world in which war, economic uncertainty, 
and social destabilization are commonplace. If we look around us today, it is clear that we are living in that world. We are already in the midst of great changes. So despite this seemingly millennial viewpoint, the comparisons with cults are easy to spot. So Akawa himself is centered as a direct reincarnation of the religious deity Elkantar. He's also faced criticism in the past for attempting to force marriages upon his followers, as well as encouraging them to leave behind their old lives to devote themselves fully to the cause. And while we're talking about that, another one we should really mention is Scientology. Stories of extraterrestrial civilizations form a part of the belief system of Scientology. I don't want to imply that there is much shared space between realism Aetherianism, or really any of the other people I've mentioned today. But Scientology has Xenu, and Xenu is the ruler of the Galactic Confederacy. He was said to have brought billions of frozen people to Earth. It goes on, the spirits of these people were then captured by Xenu and mass implanted with numerous suggestions and then packaged into spirit cluster. Thus, Scientologists believe human beings possess superhuman powers, but they cannot be restored until they have been fully rehabituated for a practice of auditing. Auditing will be the process by which these implanted suggestions are removed, putting the human spirit back to its innate state. That's as much as I want to say about it. But it's clear that a UFO religion founded in the 2020s would have a vastly different environment to navigate than one born in the 50s. There's a changing relationship to alien encounters themselves, a shifted assumption about what their intentions with us might be, and a myriad of associations overwhelmingly negative to overcome. So in conclusion, what would a UFO religion born in the 20s look like? If a narrative were to proliferate and take hold, it seems like, by odds, it would probably at least seed itself in America. For whatever reason, too many to truly enumerate, the USA is singularly suited to birthing UFO myths. And so I feel like if I were to make a bet, I would bet that the next new pervasive UFO myth comes out of the USA. What would a UFO sighting look like in an age with unprecedented amounts of camera and audio equipment that can record in a second, but still amount to an almost complete lack of any persuasive evidence of visitation? Would this lend credence in an era even more suited to the proliferation of conspiracy theories? And especially geared to bringing like-minded people together and repeating our own views back at us in an endless, distorting echo chamber. What question would this visitation answer? What anxiety would it serve to alleviate or elucidate? What is it that we most fear? I guess it's hard to say what form a 2021 UFO narrative might take as it is hard to perceive our own narrative 
in terms of our time, why we're still in it, while our experiences and our viewpoint on them is still being filtered by the mode of our existence and often through the narrative lens of the camera as our lives exist as increasingly narrativized and documented. Perhaps it will do something to quell this anxiety, the perpetual fear of missing out and judging ourselves as not enough. Maybe it will offer us a way to interact unconstrained by the need to find narrative, to tie many different peoples together into a fulfilling story without uncomfortable dissonance into an incredibly long podcast in a very slow, raspy voice. I don't know what form it will take, but I'm interested in hearing it. Much love, as always, Sarah. That was the conclusion of our discussion on the history of the UFO religion. Thanks for joining me. For more spooky nonsense, follow me on Twitter at Weird Horizon.